Guardian Unlimited. Guardian Unlimited. The Rugby World Cup Show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnuscider.com. Well, hello again. Welcome along to the latest Rugby World Cup show podcast on Guardian Unlimited. I'm Ian Payne. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, thank you very much indeed. We do appreciate your company. If you're just joining us for the first time, you're very, very welcome. On today's programme, we are looking forward to a weekend of crucial matches before the knockout stages. This is the crunch match. You could say, actually, that most of these games are, in fact, knockout games as well. It's last gas saloon time for England, for Ireland, Scotland facing an out-of-form Italy. We'll check out bad kits, bad balls, and we'll tell you about the slightly overweight problem of Tonga and why they're all going to be having green hairdos this weekend. We want to hear your views. To do that, all you have to do is go to the following site, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. The spurt and splutter you heard just then was from uh, Eddie Butler, who joins us from France. How are you, Eddie? All right? I I do apologise. That's all right. No, it's good. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast with a flash of mucus. (laughs) (laughs) And in a flash of mucus, he was gone. Um, also joining us today, Ian Pryor, Deputy Sports Editor of The Guardian. Are you well? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Good. And also joining us for the first time, a debutante, Ollie Pickup, who's from Guardian Unlimited Sports Desk. Are you well? Very well, thanks. OK, Ian. let's kick off the discussion and look ahead to uh, England against Tonga. Eddie, it's make or break, isn't it, for England? And w- would you expect them to come out and, and win this game comfortably? Or are you worried? Well, as a Welshman, not worried. But are you concerned <laughs> that England might actually leave the tournament this weekend? Uh, no, I think, I think they'll come through. I think uh, you know, several of the European sides have had a good round slap in the face and, and have re- responded quite well, actually, apart from Ireland, perhaps. But um, uh, I, I just think that um, England will have too much grunt up front for the Tongans. That's not to say the Tongans have been, haven't made a full contribution. They were, they were magnificent against South Africa. And they certainly nearly pulled off a shock there. But I think England are now forewarned. And uh, they seem to have pulled themselves together by going back to something a lot more basic and a lot more (laughs) like what they understand. Which is what? Oh, I think they'll rumble it and they'll churn it and they, they won't try anything fancy. But they'll know where to stand and they'll know what to do and they'll just crunch it. And I think it might just be enough uh, from set-piece play for the Tongans. Do you think that's uh, a fair assessment, Ian, prior? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, that part of your head that puts money on down at the bookies says, yes, of course England will win. And as he says, they'll rumble it, they'll grunt it, it'll be crushingly dull to the spirit but they'll do it but you know but mind you that, that the, the other bit of you they won the World Cup come on they won the World Cup doing exactly the same thing it's a long time ago Forget they scored tries in the backs what are you yeah, about yeah 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 anyway anyway that, not this time they haven't um, that, no, the part of you that wants to see that one big glorious upset at a World Cup the, you know that a major power gets sent packing by a guy's bunch of guys staying at a 48 pound a night hotel because they can't afford anything better that bit says come on Tonga just do it the one concern you'd have about Tonga is that, the, you know, for them, they've had two huge games so far. The game against Samoa was you know, the big South Sea Island derby. Samoa have crushed Tonga for, you know, most of the last decade. They've had, they hardly ever beat them. That, that was a World Cup final for them. Then they had South Africa. They ran them ever so close but before being just, just ground out of it at the end by the Springboks. You just think they've had two massive ones so far and, and you wonder, are they up for a third mm. effort on that scale? Ollie? Do well, you... I don't know. I mean, um, three months ago, they... they 
they weren't getting results against Japan and Samoa and their fitness wasn't there but they've they've taken it very seriously during the World Cup they're doing three training sessions a day so I think uh, it's going to be a lot closer than people think and it's by no means certain that England uh, will romp to victory. Uh, a lot of, has been made of all sorts of things that have happened at this World Cup. Let me just pick up on one story that caught our eye this week. We're calling this story Bad Balls. An amazing statistic from last weekend's matches was that the All Blacks' Dan Carter missed five kicks. Johnny Wilkins has waded into the debate and has asked if there's a difference between the match balls and the practice balls, when uh, Manola Blah from the blog says, interesting to hear Dan Carter and Ronan O'Gara whining about the practice balls. Two words, boys, he says, Chris Patterson. Ian, is there a problem with the balls? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. Look, complaining about the balls is kind of the oldest World Cup wheeze, whether it be football or rugby. It's just the the hardy perennial story that you always have to complain about the ball when you miss a few kicks or miss a few penalties or whatever it is. Um... Look, it's the same balls for everyone, lads. You know, Dan Carter's missed a lot. Johnny Wilkinson's missed a lot. I see I see Beric Barnes for Australia nail every one of them against Wales, and I think, well, he's not struggling with the ball. Nor, for that matter, were France against Ireland last week. You know, the, if, if there was something wrong with the balls, everyone would be missing kicks, and everyone's not. So deal with it, lads. And if you actually pick the bones from what Carter said, he, he admitted that it was perhaps an off day that he'd had. He wasn't concentrating. Good. Well, we like a little bit of colour. And speaking of colour, takes us on nicely to our next two subjects. Ian Pryor, I'd like you to take up the story of the Tongan green-haired players who will all be having natty hairdos against England. Explain. This is Ireland's cunning plan to get a place in the quarterfinals. <laughs> and, it's the, and it's probably as close as we're going to get. Um, basically, you know, because Tonga have been so, you know, remorselessly underfunded in this World Cup, having to stay in that pretty cheap hotel, you know, th- there was an issue over whether they'd have a training camp at all before the World Cup until they did found a late sponsor. Paddy Power, the Irish bookmakers, has stepped in with this, you know... Good old Paddy. Good old Paddy. This wheeze to dye all their hair green for... For, for the game. They've, they've taken it up in the spirit of some fun um, because they do need the cash. They need it really badly. Um, so good, good luck to them. You know, why not? Uh, I, I, I seem to remember this happening in, the, um, uh, in one of the football Romania, European championships. Romania. Romania. They'd knocked England out. Um, then they went to the knockout stages. They dyed their hair blonde. There was some sort of team camaraderie or whatever the word in, is in Romanian. And they bombed. And I just wonder, Eddie, whether their heads will be thinking about things other than rugby. No, I think actually the uh, the Tongans, everywhere you, you listen on the radio, they're always phoning in about what great fun the Tongans and V-Dan and Dan and Clapier and the A-Hall. And they've just been embraced. And they do everything with a smile. They've gone out and they've entered into the community spirit. And, they, you know, they may be staying in the cheap beds, but they've been the darlings of the World Cup, Portugal, Japan and Tonga. They've just been embraced by the French. And so they do everything with a smile and so dyeing their hair is just another one of their happy things to do. I don't think it'll affect their play at all. I think they're just looking forward to getting stuck into England. I must say though Looking at some of the hairstyles that already exist in the Tongan camp, they'll have to use up a hell of a lot of dye. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a picture in The Guardian today of one of their players, uh, the hair bear bunch, completely and utterly. The last line of the Tongan haka, according to one of our bloggers, is, My desire is victory or death. Eddie, My I mean... desire is victory or green hair. <laughs> <laughs> Should England beat Tonga, they will meet Australia in the quarterfinals. We've got a question here from one of our bloggers, Dave the Gambling Man, who says, uh, by the way, if you want to join in with the blog, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Dave says, 
What does the pod crew think of John O'Neill's, the Australian RFU's chief executive's, recent comments regarding his hatred for England? Surely that's an astonishing thing for a man in his position, with surely some sort of responsibility for promoting the game to have said. If he'd said it about any other country, it would be a major story, uh, verging on the racist. As an Irishman and Welshman, does everyone really hate England? Let's ask an Irishman and a Welshman. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. So. <laughs> yeah. right. You know what? Can't we do this in one word? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Back back in the day when England used to kind of crush Celtic nations underfoot year after year in the Six Nations. Back, I thought the... you were going to say Cromwell. I mean, how far back are you going? Oh, I'm going back to this. Let's let's say 1990. We'll leave Cromwell right. out of it just for the moment. We'll get, we'll get back to Cromwell. Um, but you know. I remember the team I really did hate. It was the Will Carling team, the, the Mickey Skinner team. You know, the, the ones that were just the winner, horrible. The, the winners. Bri- the Brian Moore team, the ugly, <laughs> chippy, horrible little types. <laughs> that would, you know, just exuded that horrible arrogance from every port. Would you have felt the same way about the Welsh in the 70s, though? Uh, mate, I wasn't around in the 70s, you know. I'm sure it would if I had been. <laughs> but listen, you know what? It's really hard to, to, to hate a team that loses a lot. You know, you can pity them. Hmm. But which, is it just uh, the, is the, it, for England fans? Which what would you rather be hated or pitied? Eddie, Eddie, is it the winning thing? Were, were the Welsh of the seventies under Phil Bennett and Co. Were they hated as well? I don't think hated, no. But they were probably you know, slightly resented for being too good. I just one thing about John O'Neill. John O'Neill has a fine track record in coming out with these, and it's um, you know don't forget he's trying to promote rugby union in Australia, and he's up against rugby league and he's up against Aussie rules. You know, rugby union still comes something like twelfth in the Aussie list of sports. So uh, he does like to put a big spoon in whenever he can. Mm. Okay. Let me tell you something about Tonga. Tonga is a monarchy. It's the last in Polynesia. King George Topu V is currently on the throne. He studied at Oxford and Sandhurst. He also apparently likes to drive around in a London taxi. Rugby union is the national sport. Jonah Lomu is of Tongan descent. Uh, According to recent research by the World Health Organization... Over 90%, 90% of Tongans are overweight, uh, especially the late king of Tonga, Tupo IV, who had for some time been listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the heaviest monarch in the world. He weighed 440 pounds, which is, I don't know what that is, that's up there in the 30-plus stone, isn't it? And uh, one other story to tell you about. In 1986, Wales played a test match against Tonga. Eddie will remember this one. Early in the game, Welsh flanker Mark Brown was flattened by three Tongan forwards, leading to a mass brawl involving most of the teams. Former Welsh captain Robert Jones describes the event in his book Raising the Dragon as, quote, the worst brawl I have ever seen on a rugby field. At the post-match dinner, Jonathan Davis was asked to give a few words in Welsh, and as the hosts politely applauded, he described them as, quote, the dirtiest team. I have ever played against, and they never knew. Are the um, the Pacific Islanders dirty players, Eddie? Oh, I think they have a natural inclination towards uh, uh, the physical combat, and if that involves a little bit of spillage into brawling, yeah, I think they'll go for that. But um, actually, they, I think they've been really disciplined at this World Cup. I think they've been uh, they've been fantastic, and uh, <laughs> to such an extent that they're, they're sort of starting to say, "Well, rugby's a bit soft now." You know, zero tolerance from the referees on on slightly high tackles. You know, Michael Jones, the coach of, of, of Samoa, was saying, well, if this carries on, I'll, I'll be telling all my boys to go and play rugby league. So the size of a Tongan apparently is the size of his, um, of his uh, standing in, in society. So the king obviously... Wonder where you were the going biggest, there, Eddie. The biggest bloke. <laughs> I was just wondering if he keeps the meter running on his taxi. You know? <laughs> does he, and does he go south of the river? <laughs> just a word, Eddie, while you're there, on a more serious note about the non-participation of Phil Vickery. Are you surprised he wasn't picked? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a big one, isn't it? Uh, to drop a captain is always, you know, it is a symbolic moment. And uh, it's been a peculiar English habit in recent times. Oh, it's happened yeah, it has. Curry more than once too, hasn't it? I, I try. I, I don't know what. I don't know what. You, you hear some pretty gruesome stories about um, the players taking over the England camp. <laughs> but it, see, that, it's a sort of double internal coup, isn't what it? They gruesome. sort of ignore ignore Brian Ashton and then check out the captain. I, I, I've got no idea what's going on with England, but whatever it is, they certainly played a bit better against Samoa. So they long lived the re- what, revolution. What, what are the gruesome stories? Enlighten us. What are the rumours? Well, just that you know, the, the, the camp has split into the Leicester against the Wasps sort of factions, and that Brian Ashton hasn't given them uh, precise instructions as to what to do. You know, so the players have decided for themselves that they'll do all the analysis and they'll say, right, we're going here, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. You go there, and and that's what they did, and they and they thought it went a bit better against Samoa, but I don't know. Eddie, do you think there's echoes of the last World Cup? Because there was the famous mini-mutiny before um, at halftime in the Wales game, wasn't there, where they suddenly decided, you know, Woodward's way well, is not going to win us this know, game. You know, the rugby's full of stories of, you know, the, 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 the coach comes in, gives his, gives his last-minute talk, and the door shuts on him, even if it's Clive Woodward, mm-hmm. and Martin Johnson says, right, forget all that rubbish, what we're really going to do is... Yeah. So and you know the French do it, the Welsh do it. Everybody says they do it, but whether really you can, I don't know. Strangely, it only ever gets trotted out when there's a much improved in a second e- half performance. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Guardian Unlimited, the Rugby World Cup show, sponsored by Magnus. Uh, let's have a look ahead to uh, we bashed England no one bashes Ireland least of all Ian Pryor Ireland against Argentina which on the face of it could be a much closer affair um, and the equation for Ireland is they need to win they need to score at least four tries and they need to stop Argentina getting a bonus point so they need to beat them by more than seven points too much? On this occasion I'll happily bash Ireland yeah too much um, I mean you know I had a good close look at that France game last weekend I think I counted one line break by Ireland in the entire game I mean they were you know, f- for all that it was an improved performance for them, this is this is not a team going anywhere, and this is not a team that's going to rack up any anything like the scale of points that's going to be required against Argentina. But f- from Argentina's perspective, they know exactly what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to do, which is a huge advantage going into a game. Their natural game is to keep it tight, to keep it aggressive up front. You know, to, and and to keep to keep encounters low scoring anyway. So that you know, everything going into this game is playing to Argentina's strengths and playing to and playing against the things that that Ireland haven't been able to do in this World Cup, which is get quick ball off the scrum get their backs going, get some inventive flowing movement, none of which they've done in any of the three games so far. Um, but they will have to on this occasion. Um, Ronan O'Gara's in the fly half is in probably the worst form I've ever seen him in a test match. I've, uh, you know, We know there's a lot of rumours going around him, but something's affecting him. He's not playing his natural game. They've junked his uh, long-time halfback partner, Peter Stringham, and brought in Owen Redden, which I do think is a good move. You know, uh, and the quality of ball coming off the scrum from Redden was one was one of the few things that was much improved against France. But you, you, it's just so hard to see them ra- raising their game to the level required. Oli, um, Argentina haven't actually had a try scored against them yet in the competition. Yeah, and Ireland have got to score four. Yeah, Argentina are particularly miserly. And they've got some momentum behind them. And uh, Ireland are in disarray at the moment, aren't they? It's a tall order. Mm. It is a tall order. Eddie, can you see them doing it? Or is it just a bridge too far? No, I, I can't. I think Argentina will win quite easily, actually. Argentina are a formidable side. You know, Ireland will want to do a monster on them up front. And uh, the Argentine pack, I think, is just too good. You know, they're, they're not going to be monstered by anybody. And they've got a very simple game plan behind, although they have 
Hernandez at outside half, and he, he's given them a little bit extra. He's certainly given them a little bit of extra height on the bombs he puts up. So Ireland might even end up having to catch an awful lot of the high stuff, which is normally their trick. Mm. Plus, they've got they, they have brought back Jordan Murphy, which you know all of Ireland has been screaming for since this tournament began. But the one thing you can say about Jordan Murphy is that high balls wouldn't be his absolute strong point. He's not the biggest player. He's not, he's not the most effective jumping high, um, and he's he's going to get a hell of a lot of them raising his head in this game. Okay. I, I think he and I think already you know, the, the, the debate has got to start about uh, you know, the contribution of the of the home union side to this World Cup has been so miserable, pitiful, pitiful, and pitiful. Yeah. But we've got to look at a how we play the professional game and b whether the, the structures we have in place, even if it's the Guinness Premiership, whether that really is producing good enough players to do well at a World Cup. The Magnus League has never been taken seriously by Ireland. Wales really would want to play English sides on a more regular basis. It's all part of the Welsh rugby tradition. Scotland don't seem to have any idea of what they want from professional rugby. I just think we've got to start opening things up instead of saying blank sheet. I know England have just signed this wretched eight-year agreement with their clubs, which has taken four years to oh, get they, have, they haven't quite signed it. They are a few agreed. Good, good. There's a bit, up few more meetings again. yet. Ollie, where do we go? Is it, what's wrong with well, the, the northern teams? Well, maybe not France, but what's wrong with the home nations? I was reading the other, the other week, Eddie, when you, when you suggested that England perhaps needed a foreign coach. Do you think the same could be said for the other home nations as well? Do you think that's what it needs, that impetus? Well, I don't know. You know if, let's just take a little example of England-Wales. Wales can't put together a really strong pack. So if, but if they played regularly against English sides, they'd learn. England can't play anything in the three-quarters uh, that approximates a decent hole-finding play. But Wales can, so they'd learn from the Welsh side. We've got but to learn Eddie, from don't, each other. Eddie, don't we already have that? What's the Heineken Cup for, if not that? Yeah, but the style of play in the Heineken Cup is pretty gruesome. It's pretty horrible. You it's... know, even the, even the French sides that are meant to bring something extra to the party, God, they've ground out some horrible games in the Heineken Cup. I just think we've got to say... We don't know enough about the game anymore. We've got to go to the outsiders, and, I, and that is where, Ollie, I, I, I do think yeah. we've got to, to, to tap into the whole wealth of, of coaching talent in the Southern Hemisphere and say, look, do come and teach us a thing or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what about your nation, Wales? The only home nation without too much pressure on them. They're playing Fiji on Saturday. <laughs> uh, that's a fairly comfortable one, isn't it? You don't think? I would. Uh, you know, it, it's dangerous because uh, Is it? Wales, Wales will want to take Fiji on at a, at a wide open running game. Uh-oh. And they just Fiji hope. love that. that. Yeah, mm. and, but they just, well, they did it. They did it pretty well against Japan. Um, and, and Fiji only just beat Japan. So Wales will be hoping that they have enough clout, collective clout, not individual clout, collective clout up front, not to be, not to be steamrolled. The, the trouble is with Wales that when they come up against the really big teams, then they don't win enough ball. Uh, but against Fiji, I think they will get enough set-piece ball and uh, everything will be fine. Is, is there a good argument to say that this is, this is one of those games that Wales should maybe subdue their instincts and, and just try and try and stick it up the jumpers for a while, maybe in mm. in, in preparation for those teams, you know, against yeah, they can't, against yeah, whom they winning can't. both. No, they can't. They just get overexcited. They get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, God, and I prefer to see that than than watch Ireland or England play at this World Cup. Well, well you're dead right. There. Well, they're saying something. Um, thank you again to all those of you who've um, joined us, by the way, through the blogs. Uh, if you go to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. 
you can join in. Uh, Hardcore Prawn says, This is surely the World Cup that will be remembered for hideous kits. From the ugly and cluttered English and French swoosh motif to the man-boob-enhancing Canterbury-manufactured monstrosities worn by Australian, <laughs> South Africa, Scots, Irish, etc. Even some of the minnows have been found guilty of crimes against style. USA, Japan, Tonga. Do the manufacturers of these atrocities really believe that there are fans out there rushing to sports shops now to squeeze themselves into a new skin-tight shirt with grippy panels to support their nations? And for them to then turn up at the pub and watch the games in these outrages... Bring back heavy-duty cotton shirts, I say, with collars, long sleeves and clearly defined colours. And Owley Ross from Leicester says, too right, and for 50 quid, a trip to the sports shop and a quick try of the Raspberry Ripple, and I opted for the official polo shirt instead. Half the price, more comfortable and looks good. I wonder if the choice of design has impacted on sales at all because they lost one from me. Ollie, that game between Scotland and the All Blacks or the All Silver or whatever it was, yeah. I mean, even in black and white it would have been difficult. That was ridiculous. It was a bit, wasn't it? Neither, neither shirt was uh, very attractive either. It was always what? the case that New Zealand, when they played Scotland, they played with a white shirt. Yeah. Well, why couldn't they? Is yeah. it all about money? Well, I suppose it? it's merchandising. They have to uh, see the team playing in the kit. We had silver against grey, and I couldn't tell the difference. Could you, Ian? What can you do? Well, I mean, one of the things that angered a lot of people in New Zealand, I think, you know, before this World Cup, was when they changed their kit manufacturer from Canterbury, the traditional god of New Zealand sportswear, to Adidas, you know, to the to a, to a German company that that has very little experience with rugby, um, and it, it still rankles with them, and you 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 can see why. For New Zealand, you know, the the black jersey is about a lot more than than a piece of sporting kit. Fans it's, don't it's buy a, it, do they? They're the not fans don't to. buy it. They're, they're not allowed. It's it's an absolute emblem of excellence, and to see it kind of trashed in such a way as to bring out some silver streaky version that you can't tell apart from the opposition, you know, it it, it, it denigrates something really special about the character of New Zealand rugby and no, no, no wonder they're up in arms. Um, Eddie, we're here in England watching most of the rugby on the television. You're seeing it in the flesh. Are the outfits as garish as we think? England playing in red and France in dark blue, which I'm told they're wearing this dark blue kit so that if they face the All Blacks, that will force the All Blacks to change from black. I don't know whether that's true or not, but the kit decisions have been hideous. Yeah, come on, people. We're getting. We've got to get real here. You know, we can't have people wandering around in whalebone petticoats. You know, the fashion's <laughs> on, and the, the actual the nature of the fabric is pretty important because it's. You know, these are manufactured not it's for the- your fans. They're manufactured for people who are honed to to perfection. And so, you know, no, no, the, but it's not. It's not, it's not when, material. We're not talking then, about that. It's the colours, aren't we talking about? Jeez, I remember. I remember when football went crazy and we had tie-dye shirts and everything. It's passing. It's fashion. It's passing phases. You know, if, if you stuck everybody in the old cotton shirts, it, it would look ridiculous because you say, "Oh, how old-fashioned is that?" Just go with it. What's wrong with old-fashioned? Now, there's a there's a semi-serious point here. Sport is about aesthetic, and watching sport is all about a beautiful aesthetic. Mm. And you know, when we think of you know the classical rugby images in our hands. They, they're, they're wild-eyed, skinny Welsh boys in shirts half a size too big for them from the 70s, you know, making line breaks off the back of a scrum. And, that, and, and that's mm. what rugby means to a lot of us. No, it's the, 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 I don't think that... What I'm saying is, and I think a lot of our bloggers are saying, it's not the design that people are complaining about too much, although one or two are. It's the colours and the fact that the tradi- you can still have very tight figure-hugging outfits with panels and all sorts of Velcro, whatever you want, chain mail if you want, but just keep to the old colours. Red for Wales, blue for Scotland, white for England. Is that not a fair point? Yes. 
<laughs> there we are. <laughs> over. And we've moved it on. Uh, right, to Scotland, who, uh, who have changed their kit, and I don't think it's gone down very well with traditionalists and modernists alike. Scotland against Italy is another make-or-break match. Win, Scotland go through. Lose, they become the first Scottish team not to progress to the group stages in the event's history. What did you make, Eddie, of their defeat to the All Blacks and the fact that the coach put out a second-string team? Yeah, well, I was like Ollie. I couldn't tell who was who. and um, I'd, I'd driven through 500 kilometres of fog that morning and, and, and I watched the game in the afternoon. I, I thought I was still in the fog, <laughs> more like grey and silver. Uh, I thought Scotland did pretty well just to lose by 40 points. I thought the, the All Blacks uh, were pretty bad by their own standards, but that's not to say that you know, when you're in second gear, you can you can thrash the engine a bit without going very fast. So I, they got nothing to worry about. It was quite strange that that day when Australia played Fiji and Scotland played New Zealand, it was a, it was all a bit phony, wasn't it? I thought Fiji were obviously thinking ahead to the Welsh game. Australia went through the motions. Scotland put out their B team. New Zealand went through the motions, and then we've entered this sort of second phase. All these mini finals, which have been brilliant. I saw Japan draw with oh god, who was it? Uh, Canada, wasn't it? Uh, and then I saw the United States against Samoa last night. They were great games. So, that, you know, for every little lull, you then have a, a recognition of interest. And, and now we've got these nail biters on the weekend. I think the rhythm of this World Cup has been really good. It hasn't been one paced at all. It hasn't. And, you know, and, and to all intents and purposes, though, the, re- the real World Cup does start this weekend. You, you know, yeah, absolutely for, for, right. For, forget yeah. all the phony stuff. Forget, forget picking slightly dodgy sides. This is, where, this is the weekend where everyone shows their best and it's going to be great. Mm. Uh, Ollie, what are you looking forward to? The fixtures are Friday, England against Tonga, Saturday, Australia, Canada, Wales, Fiji, New Zealand, Romania, <laughs> Scotland against Italy, and then on Sunday, South Africa against the United States, France against Georgia, Ireland against Argentina, and then it's the knockout stages the following weekend. Well, we've already touched upon Ireland and Argentina. That's going to be a good game. Italy, well, they're not... We've mentioned it before. I don't think it's there any sort of form. Mm. Do you know why? Why do you think they've been so poor? Eddie, can you throw any light on why the yeah, Italians have been... Yeah, because they play this turgid European way. Slow ball, charge, contact, slow ball, charge, contact, no idea, kick the ball in the air. You know, we've got to start seeking space, putting players into holes, running the angles of the Australians, playing with the athleticism of the New Zealanders and just running as fast as the South Africans. We're just doing everything at half pace and, New Ze- and, and Italy have just, have just got the disease. Mm. Can we see any surprises this weekend? Well, I'm looking, in this order, I'm looking forward to Scotland. I think Scotland are good. I think they do try and put a bit of... Uh, oomph into their game and then I'm looking forward to uh, England Tonga but I don't really have any any hope of uh, Tonga beating England really and then Wales Fiji because I just think it'll be a really good open open game of rugby and I think all the others I, I can't I'm I, you know I don't think I can bear to watch Ireland Argentina I'm going to go into a bar I think and watch it from there <laughs> I think I, I feel some kind of contractual obligation to do so but, but like you Eddie I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it it's, it's no, just not going to be no. pretty in any way I'll tell you what I agree with you about Scotland though Scotland have got one of the smartest coaches in this tournament for my money and Frank Haddon I think I think he's done fantastically well with them mm. g- g- given the, the, the sort of playing resources he's up against and, and given the you know the, the problems they'd have at club level I'm expecting them to put in a big one against Italy and, and go through terrific thanks very much indeed Eddie, enjoy the uh, enjoy the bar, <laughs> and enjoy the live stuff as well. Traditional shirts or not? Yep, cheers, Ian. Thanks a lot. All right, we're just going to pause a minute and just go back to the discussion we were having earlier about the Tongan green hair, because I'm delighted to say that the man responsible for all this is Dermot Hickey, who joins us on a train in France, having, I believe, 
done the deeds. Is that right? Deed is, deed is done and dusted, yes. They're, they're, it's complete. So, Dermot, as uh, Ian Pryor suspected, it's all an anti-English ploy. An anti-English ploy, giving, giving the Tongans uh, the green hair and, and, <laughs> and uh, the, maybe the look of the Irish or the strength of the Irish. We don't know, but... Uh, Tell, 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 tell him nothing, Dermot, tell him nothing. <laughs> <laughs> as, um, as we were uh, wondering beforehand, that we understand that each player was allowed to um, choose his own hairstyle. Oh, yeah. Is that right? That's right, yeah, yeah. There was, uh, it was a kind of a free reign in, in, uh, in uh, what style or how, how crazy they wanted to look. So uh, we kind of left it up to the players. We didn't, we didn't force anything upon them. It was a, it's a, a green stripe. or uh, we were, A lot of them were into these uh, lightning bolts. There was sort of a, a lightning stri- <laughs> uh, flash on the side of the head in, in green and stuff. So there's a few of them, and we've, we've a couple of Mohicans, and uh, a couple of the players have gone all out and, and gone all green. And, and I think we've one player that's got half his head as his own natural colour and the other half of his head is green <laughs> you know so it, it, it will it'll be I think if we're going to make history when they walk out on the pitch against England on Friday to be quite honest which it may be the, uh, the most stylish rugby team ever to grace a pitch <laughs> I reckon <laughs> Dermot I've met Paddy many times Paddy Power he's a lovely bloke but he does Absolutely. love he does love a publicity stunt is this true? Um, as far as I know no <laughs> it, this is, it, this is, uh, it was like you know the Tongans they, they, they helped the Tongans out beforehand and uh, you know they, the Tongans came back to us and just said look can you can you help us out we want to we want to get the hair done you know and just for, for the so Irish yeah so, so what I mean is you have actually done the hair this isn't just a made up story just for some no, publicity no the hair is done you, you go re- and look at, you go to the Tongan hotel and you will walk around and you will see <laughs> 22 man mountains with green hair like you know have you got a, have you got a green hand no, I've got green bits of green all over me, mate. All right, I want to know. I don't, I don't know how your identification of the Tongan players is, but uh, Fino Maka is the man with the sort of hair bear style, um, big afro. Do you know the guy I mean? I do indeed. What have I you do done indeed. with him? Nothing. <laughs> it was it was way too much hair. Um, I think I, I don't. I don't I, I Dermot, you bottled it. it. You bottled the only guy with the big difficult hair. You couldn't do it. He's the one. In the, he's the one that we picked it in the garden. Have you seen that guy? Have you seen that guy? I'm afraid, I'm afraid I was going to get it wrong. And so, he so, my arms off so, he, <laughs> so he hasn't got green hair at all. He hasn't got green hair at all. We might we might put a bit of a, a, a green hairband on him or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> just so he doesn't feel left out with the rest of the team. What about the coaching staff? Did they join in? No, no, no. They they looked from afar. Looked from afar. <laughs> kind of, this is your own thing. So they left us to it, you know. Well, listen, as a as a proud Englishman, I hope that it they concentrate more on the hair than they do on the Borg. But I, I think it's <laughs> well, going to. I've never met so many vain rugby players in all my life. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it'll be a great sight anyway. Many thanks. Oh, for, many thanks for joining us, Dermot. Thank you, guys. Okay, Thank you very much. You. Safe Cheers. journey. Bye-bye. So that's Dermot Hickey, who's been dying and cutting the Tongan's hair. What do you make of that story? I just can't believe he bottled the big guy with the afro. I mean, that's the only one I wanted to see was 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 Maka with made a mockery of your story as well. Lo- looking like yeah. some kind of oak tree at number eight. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like one of those little bushes that you get on a Hornby railway set. I, w- I went to the trouble of colouring in his head green for this morning's newspaper. He hasn't even done it. <laughs> He's bottled it. What do you think, Holly? Would it make any difference to the game? Uh, no, of course it won't. Perhaps a little bit of solidarity. You can recognise who's breaking what, from the it's back like of the If scrum. England wear the old white, it's like at the beginning of those matches and when, when you've got the sponsor's logo and the halfway pitch. I remember Keith Wood, and his whole head was yeah. blue. It's entirely blue. Yeah. He looked like something out yeah. of Braveheart. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? 
Oh, well, we'll see. I wonder <laughs> if the England players will have green stains all over them. Many thanks to, uh, to Dermot Hickey, also to Eddie Butler, who's obviously left, to Ian Pryor, Deputy Sports Editor of The Guardian, and to uh, Ollie Pickup, who's from Guardian Unlimited Sports Desk. Thanks very much to all of you who've joined in. Do continue to do so. We have our bi-weekly meetings, as it were. We are welcome to join in. To do that, all you've got to do is go to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Enjoy the rugby this weekend. We'll be back after the weekend to review it all. Hope you can join us again then. Thanks for listening. See you then. You've been listening to the Rugby World Cup show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnuscider.com.